The word this morning comes from Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, good morning. morning. Welcome back to Revelation. We are looking at the fifth fifth letter uh, to the churches, number five. And it, it starts off almost identical to the church in Ephesus. If you were here the very first time we talked about these churches, the church in Ephesus, they were a careless church. They, they couldn't care less about outreach. They could, could care less about what was happening outside their walls. The introduction is similar, and yet Sardis, they are like a canatonic church. The eyes are open. Nobody's home. They are a church, from our title, that looks good from far, but they are far from good. Jesus knows, and he says to them, you are spiritually dead. The one who has the seven spirits, and when we look at at Revelation, when we look at uh, apocryphal writing like this, uh, we, we know that there's symbolism in all the numbers. Uh, there aren't seven spirits. This number seven is a, a number symbolizing perfection. And so the one that comes with the perfect Holy Spirit and holds seven stars, and those seven stars represent the, the seven angels that are assigned to these churches, that one, the risen one, with his holy apostolic church, he has something to say to these people in the city and the church of Sardis. I know your works. You have the reputation. The, the Greek there literally means name. You've got, you've got a name. You've got some street cred, what have you. You, know, you have a brand. Oh, I hate, hate that word for church. It's a brand. You have a reputation of being alive. But you are D-E-A-D. A church that looks good from far, but is far from good. It's got a great reputation. It's got amazing PR. They're the envy of every other church on the list. Gosh, what if we could be like Sardis? They're doing big things. They're busy working. Lively stuff is happening. But we know because Jesus tells us it's not alive. So we have studied up to this point four other uh, churches, and in each letter that Jesus addresses to them, we see, we've been seeing, I hope you've been seeing how relevant it is, how we can apply it uh, to our lives and the life of the church, and 
right now how this will apply today. I pray that God would give us a word, give you a word. Each of these uh, letters, there are some pros and cons. Jesus lays out some things that are positive and mostly some negative things, stuff that they need to work on. Concerns about their priorities, like in Ephesus. You guys got to get your priorities straight. You've forgotten your first love. Pressures from the culture. Clowns to the left of them. Jokers to the right, right? They're stuck in the middle. We got to deal with this. False teaching that's running amok. But when we look at this letter in in Sardis, none of that is here. They're, They're not dealing with any of those things. They, they are busy working. They're outside the church, in the community. So they're not like the Ephesians. They, they are presumably, it says that they're doing work. Presumably that's Christian stuff. Like what do Christians do? We help people. We take care of our own. But we, we reach out. We, we serve. We give people food. That's what Christians do. They're doing good work. So they're not like the Ephesians. And even though they profess to follow Christ... Notice they are not being persecuted like Smyrna. Like maybe Smyrna just went a little bit overboard with the Jesus thing. This is a church that says, hey, I don't know what to tell you, but we, we do claim to be Christian in this city. We've got a great reputation. I don't know what you're doing over in Smyrna, but, but everyone likes us. And maybe you need to balance out your message. Some, for some reason, unlike the other churches that are dealing with with persecution for claiming the name of Jesus, not this church. They have a good reputation. They are not being crushed under persecution. And there's no sign of false teaching in this church, like uh, uh, Pergamum and Thyatira. There, there's no sense of an internal conflict or strife or, or someone trying to influence people. There's, there's none of that there. The Sardis church doesn't have a care in the world. So what's the problem? The problem is everything that they are doing, they are doing on the strength, the intelligence, the resources of themselves. And in no way are they reaching out, connecting, and leaning on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's the problem in this church. That's why they look good from far, but they are far from good. With all the good that they're doing, all the work and all the effort, it's not connected. It's not empowered. It's not built on a foundation of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see what Jesus says to them here is that all the works that you're doing are finding themselves to be incomplete in the sight of my God. What does he mean by that? He means they start a bunch of stuff, Big fanfare, we got the balloons, we got ribbon cutting, and like, this is the new big thing. Wait, whatever happened to that new big thing from a couple years ago? Oh, yeah, you know, it didn't work out. We, we, we moved on to a new vision. Okay, well, what, whatever happened to that vision? Oh, no. Hey, look over here at the shiny thing. A new program. This is a church that just keeps having effort after effort to, to build that reputation and that name for themselves. And yet Jesus says, it will never measure up. You'll never complete it. It'll never be something that will truly last. So they can throw money at it, at programs. They can have the best PR. They can have social media-wise. They can have the most likes. 
every, every eye is on this church and making a big show of it, but at the end of the day, they finish and complete nothing. If you're taking notes, here's a, a worthwhile Bible verse to keep in mind. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says this. There's a way that looks right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 14, 12. There, there, there's a way that just looks right. Like this has got to be, right? Do we all agree this is the way we should go? I'm going to just show of hands from our team of, of men and women, like we'll just rely on our own thinking. This is the way, right? And Proverbs 14, 12 says, that way that you think is right without relying on the Spirit of God, it's a way of death. Well, now let me play devil's advocate. Pun intended. Uh, maybe this is church just has got it figured out. Maybe they've, they've balanced out their issues. And, and gosh, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a church that has a good reputation? I mean, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with the fact that people in that city like this church? What's wrong with that? Is there something wrong with that? No. And, and maybe they're figuring something out. Maybe they're breaking through and really reaching the heart of of that pagan city say, you know what? We're not going to persecute them. That's a good thing, right? They can keep doing their ministry. Isn't it a good thing that there isn't internal strife? Like, is that something you want? And maybe they just have excellent uh, classes for, for new members or a covenant partners joining this church. They've got it all figured out. There's no one that has any dissension or what have you. Like, can't we see it that way? And the answer is, no, we cannot. Why can't we? Because the Lord Jesus is writing the letter and he points out the situation. So why? Why no strife? Why no hardship? Why are things sailing along? Because Satan doesn't need to worry about Sardis. He doesn't need to stir up trouble or cause divisions or deploy his demons. That threat is neutralized. Men and women who've served in the, in the military, you know that kind of language. Like, if you have a threat, you have to neutralize that threat, and then you move on, right? You move on in your mission. Well, the sat Satan has a mission too. Sardis, neutralized, moving on. So all the money, and all the resources, and all the goodwill, and all the work, all the stuff that they do, doesn't amount to anything. But they're blind to that. They can't hear it until they receive this letter. How does that happen? Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. Somebody's saying, what? Turn in my Bible? I, I don't, I'm just kidding around you. If you don't bring your physical Bible, that's okay. If you look at your screen, I know we often have the scripture up, uh, up here. That's okay. I'm going to read it to you. But sometimes, just taking a moment... Savor for a minute. How does this happen? I want us to turn to John chapter 15, the, the Apostle John. And we'll see these interesting connections between the, the, the uh, Gospel of John and our study of Revelation that will carry us into the new year. And Jesus says this in verse 5. How does this happen? He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, 
you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. That is to say, apart from Christ, you can do nothing of kingdom value. Hey, look at all the things that we're doing. We put food in somebody's tummy. We, we fixed someone's deck. We did this. We did that. We paid someone's bills. And God blessed. And that's wonderful. A beautiful gift of, of God's common grace. But kingdom value, eternal value in the economy of the kingdom, Jesus says, if you're apart from me, you can do nothing. Why do we plant gardens? I mean, I don't have a green thumb, so like, I really want to know why you plant gardens. Mom, why do you spend so much time in your garden? Hey, you plant a flower garden so, to enjoy the beautiful flowers, right? But if you have a, a vegetable garden, if you, you, what, you want vegetables. If you plant uh, uh, trees that are supposed to bear fruit, you're doing it because you want to enjoy the tree and its fruit, right? Can you imagine walking through someone's garden and saying, wow, what, now what's this right here? Oh, this is the pumpkin patch. Oh. I don't see any pumpkins. Oh, well, but isn't it a lovely patch? And what's this here? Oh, this is a, this is a wonderful apple tree. Oh, yeah. Huh. I don't see any apples. What's the point? There is no point. And so Jesus goes on. He's talking to people that are agrarian in, in, in their DNA, and they would understand this. He said, those branches that are, aren't producing are fit only to be cut and thrown into the fire. But he also says this. Look at verse 7 and 8. He says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. For his name. His PR. This is to his glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples let's turn back what's going on in the place of of rich uh, healthy hearty spiritual sustenance this church is filling up on junk food i mean have you ever filled up on junk food uh, fill like complete an entire big bag so gross, right? It's like, what am I putting into my body? I feel full, I think. And that's what they're filling up. It's not real. It's all for show. The pastor is just phoning it in. Oh boy, do you see how dramatic he was when he made that moment and he dropped that thing and he started to, to tear up? It's just all an act. Why? What, where does this come from? We heard about the vine, but, but where does it come from? It, we heard about something that's right in our own eyes, but we go the wrong way. Well, what's that? Where does that come from? It comes from this. It's a righteousness. It's seeking a right relationship with God based on what you do and not on what he has done. See, we're Americans, right? We get things done. I mean, Hamilton said uh, immigrants do that too, right? But we, we get things done. And so we want you to come to our church. Look what we're doing. We did this. We did that. We did this. What have you done? What can you do? We'll sign you up so you can do more stuff. That's what we do. We do, do, do. Da, da, da. That's not the gospel. 
so easy for us to, but I'm righteous because of all the good works. I'm a good person. Look at all what I do. And we miss what he has done. That's the good news. It's the announcement of what Christ has done that motivates us and moves us. And that's where the fruit is growing. But not here. Instead, this church is asleep, forgetful, lost, headed in the wrong direction. What would a church like this look like in our own time? A church like this in our own time is probably uh, bound to have, at some point, some form of scandal. So a church that has a reputation that's growing and growing and being more and more watched online and drawing more attention is just, just like a magnet in a community where it just, just seems to be pulling everybody to this place and even maybe having a national exposure and then a scandal hits. Not always. I don't want to be, you know, be a negative about church, but that's the reality of the church of America, that this often happens. Abuse of power, a misuse of funds, hidden infidelity, bad behavior. And what always makes it worse is how it's covered up. Why? Because, well, we want to put up a, a good appearance. We want to salvage our what? Our reputation, our brand. Gag me with a spoon if I ever hear anyone say about our church, what a great brand you have. Oh, like, like nails across the chalkboard. Sorry. Because what Scripture says, it doesn't talk about branding a church. It doesn't talk about our reputation. It talks about his reputation. And what Scripture talks about, unless we abide in the vine and remain in him, this is the result. We become spiritually motionless. We're just going through the motions. And that's what is happening here in Sardis. They're just going through the motions. Now, unless Christ is in us and we in him, we become. Now, listen, Jesus says some really harsh things to people that are faking it, to phonies, religious phonies. He welcomes someone who says, I, I need help. Music to his ears. But someone who says, I've got it all together. What does Jesus say? What did he say to the Pharisees? The biggest phonies that we read in the pages of Scripture, Matthew 23, 27, and 28, he says, you look clean and, and bright on the outside, but inside you are filled with dead man's bones. Yikes. My previous church out in Maryland was founded in 1845. It's pretty old, pretty, pretty old. In fact, we had uh, records of uh, one of the pastors, uh, his personal journal, writing about uh, Union troops marching past the, the church on their way to Antietam. And maybe you may not be familiar with Antietam. We think of Gettysburg, that was up the road as well. But Antietam, more Americans lost their lives uh, on our soil than any other battle. And in that church, outside the back of the office, was a huge cemetery. And my office windows looked out on this as far as I can see, kind of cemetery, and then way off there was a, a line of trees. And I would, I would look out that window, and when I was having a particularly bad day, like when I was feeling under attack spiritually, 
when I was just, things aren't going well at all. I don't have the support that I need. What am I going to do? This is so hard. You know the drill. You've been there. We've all been there. When I look out that window at that cemetery, I think, well, it could be worse. <laughs> could be worse. How about you? How are you doing? Can it be worse for you? Are, are you at your wit's end? Are you coming here this morning saying, this one more person asks me how I'm feeling, I'm going to turn this smile upside down and I'm going to go crazy because we're bottling it up. We want to hold on. Something inside just tells us we got, I got to look good. I got to pull it together. Is that you today? Keeping up appearances. Keeping up the reputation of spiritual life, but that doesn't really match up with reality. What do we do? What do we do? Well, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin with five points. Sorry, Pastor Frank, it's not three. There's five. And if you're looking in your text, if you have your Revelation journal, I encourage you to circle these key words and, or underline the phrases. Wake up. Strengthen, strengthen what remains, remember, remember what you received and heard, keep it, and repent. We'll look at each of those. So Jesus tells them to wake up. Just want to make sure, balcony, we're good. Okay, show of hands, how many of you are light sleepers? Raise your hand if you are a light sleeper. Okay, now raise your hand if you are a heavy sleeper, like it's really hard. Well, it's kind of pretty, pretty even. Okay, how about this? Raise your hand if you set an alarm clock to wake up in the morning, if you need an alarm. Okay, yeah. Now, I'm, I'm much more of a light sleeper, but just imagine waking up to an alarm. Like, it'd be one, you know, like just if you wake up to the sound of um, birds chirping and a violin concerto or something, but like an alarm. So Jesus says to this church, wake up, wake up, or else... You don't wake up, what does he say? I will come like a thief in the night, right? Do you see that there? The people of Sardis would know what he's talking about, and this is why, because this is, was deep-rooted in their history. This town was built into a hillside. There were mountains all the way around it. It was assumed to be unassailable. Like no one could break into this place, but it happened twice in its history that it was sacked, once in the like 580s, uh, B.C. by Cyrus the Persian. He snuck in. The other time was in the 280s B.C., so this is several hundred years before, but they went, had forgotten, just like when I mentioned Gettysburg, and we all went, oh, yeah, I remember that. I've heard about that. In fact, in that one, the, the historical report that I read uh, said that only 15 men climbed up the mountainside and snuck in in both instances, separated by 300 years. The guards had fallen asleep on the watch, and the city gates were open from the inside, and the city was ransacked. Wake up, Jesus says. Wake up from your slumber. And it says, wake up. Now, it's one thing if you're asleep. We've got light sleepers. We've got heavy sleepers. But what's the context? We're talking about dead people right? Spiritually dead. So how do you wake up someone who's dead? Like, I went to open the window from my office. Hello? Please? 
If you can hear my voice, this isn't like Mighty Python, like, I'm not dead yet. Like, you know, it's like, they are dead. They are, they are finished. How can they wake up? By the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Only the work of the Holy Spirit can bring life and power and strength and vitality. Jesus says, I'm coming. We are at the end of the age. I'm coming soon. So wake up. You've missed it. The work that you're to do, church, the work that you're to do is for me, and it's in the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's what they need to do. Romans 11, uh, 13, 11 to 12. Getting a little riled up here. Zero caffeine today. Really poor choice to try to go caffeine-free on a Sunday, but I feel more awake now than I did earlier. Re- uh, Romans 13, 11 to 12. Understanding... The Apostle Paul writes, the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. You see, this is a theme throughout Scripture. Because our salvation is nearer now than it was when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So set aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So there's a connection. Okay, wake up, Pete. I get it. You keep shouting at me. I get it. What does that mean? Here it is. Set aside. He says, set aside the deeds of darkness, those things that you know that you're doing, you're dwelling on, you're choosing to ingest, stop it. And put on the armor of light. Stop dozing off. That's number one. Number two, strengthen what remains. There must have been some things that were still happening in that church. Jesus didn't say, just blow up the church. Don't meet anymore and and just figure it out and just commune with me. The Lord always wants to protect his church. Some things remain that needed to stay there, but it says strengthen what remains. I shared this in the first sermon in Revelation series that uh, I've been preparing for 20 years to preach through Revelation. It's taken me that long to, 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 to... Say, I think that, Lord, I think you're saying that I should do this and that I might be uh, ready to do it. Because 20 years ago, I was sitting in a pew in Glendale, California, hearing, I think, in in my estimation, the best of the best uh, preachers I've heard and sat under teaching over a period of years, uh, Daryl Johnson, when he preached cover to cover in the book of Revelation, and my jaw was like this. So I've gone back to his commentary. I have many, many resources, but... One of the things that that church did is they would reproduce uh, the sermons. People just would, would get into it. He talked about this was the most important uh, series he ever preached in all of his ministry. He said this was the most transforming experience he had ever had in all of his ministry. To this day, he still says that. And so I just want to quote to you what he says about this line here about strengthening what remains. Daryl Johnson, quote, I think it would be healthy for every congregation periodically, and they says every five years, declare that programs and activities stop and only be started up again if it can be demonstrated that they are in fact accomplishing their biblical purpose. What do you think? Should we try that? Stop everything? People are like, <gasps> the folks here, they're like, well, there's so much that we're doing. He said five years. We're going 2020 with a new vision. It's a five-year vision. 
Maybe after five years, we need to stop and really reassess, okay? He goes on, perhaps we ought to do the same in our own personal lives. Periodically stop everything and only start up that which keeps us in relationship with Jesus and fulfills his purpose for us. Wow, if you resonate with that, may I encourage you to stop by the next environment where we have trained counselors who can help you think that through of things that you could stop and things you could start up. Wake up, strengthen what remains. Number three, remember. Look at verse three. Remember then what you have received, underline, and heard. What have they received and heard? This is a church. There's no doubt about it. It is a church. It's called a church. It has a a signed angel. Jesus wouldn't mess around like, why would he do that if it wasn't a church? It was a church, which means at some point in time, they received. What did they receive? They received the Holy Spirit. When the Lord Jesus stood in Pentecost uh, with his uh, apostles, or just before he said to them, you will receive the Holy Spirit. This church had received the empowerment of the Spirit, and they had heard the gospel. The gospel comes by hearing, hearing the good news. So Jesus is saying, remember how you received me, how you, how you heard my good news? Do you remember the change it made in your life? That can happen again. Wake up, strengthen what, remem- what remains, and receive again the Spirit, and hear again the gospel. Friends, this will be a theme that we'll see throughout Revelation. I've told you, if, you're miss- if you've missed it the first time, the themes out of these seven letters are going to play out through the rest of the book of Revelation. And you'll see Interesting parallel study if you want to go a little deeper. Revelation and the Gospel of John, these themes of remembering, receiving, hearing is the very life of Jesus. Fourth, keep the word. The Greek literally means keep on keeping the word. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. We just, we just keep doing it. You know, we never outgrow the gospel. We never graduate from having to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Like, oh, you know, I heard it in Sunday school, and I help out with Sunday school occasionally to tell the kids so they know what, what, what happened with Jesus. And Easter time, I really want them to hear. But I, I want, I've moved on. I've graduated to other things. Friends, we never move on keeping the word, keeping the gospel with Christ crucified and risen at the center. When I feel spiritually under attack by, by Satan, uh, which happens, and I'm feeling down, and those super negative thoughts are in my mind, my heart's feeling pulled in different directions, I turn to God's word. I, I also turn to, to, just the memory comes back of, of meaningful times of worship and, and meaningful uh, gospel music. I don't mean gospel as a genre. I mean hymns that speak to rock of ages, cleft for me. I just go back to that. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross. I cling. I cling to that. I'm not a big fan of, of cherry-picking scripture. You know, like, oh gosh, I have to write a, a thank you card. I guess I should come up with a scripture for like Bible Thank you, Vert. You know, 
Mm, not then. Sometimes hearing, writing it down, putting it on my bathroom mirror, a scripture. Here's one. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I just meditate on that. That I'm a sheep. And I've gone astray. And I need to turn again to him who's paid for everything. And when I do that, Satan flees. My mind's put on something else. My heart gets right with the Lord. I, I, feel, I feel refreshed and renewed. If, if you genuinely are keeping the word, listen, it, it, will, it will show up in activities and, and, and doing and service. And think about the kind of service that we're going to all be engaged in as a church. This is the most generous group of people I've ever been uh, with the most pleasurable thing is to see how much our church serves. At Christmas time, are you kidding? Uh, we've got the giving tree coming, right? We've got helping hands. We've got service and care. We've got pajamas coming to, to kids at Passage Point. We have all these wonderful forms of service. And those are our shows of uh, examples of our love for the Lord that we want to share the love of, for God with love for all people. Yes and amen. But listen, the most mature mentoring Christians in my life, when I look to someone, I see this is someone who's, who's really getting it and they're growing in their faith. It's not so much in those exterior habits, it's the internal habits. And those are the people that see more and more their need for the gospel because they see more and more their sin. I mean, the sin is for, the, the, the gospel is for sinners, right? And so as, as we see the cross, like imagine there's a little cross between my hands here. The more Christ becomes worthy and praiseworthy in my life, and the more I, I examine my life and hold up scripture and look at, this is what scripture says, this is what I'm doing. What, what's happening is as I see more and more of that need and I see him rising, rising, what happens? The cross grows bigger and bigger. That's what it means to keep his word. And that leads to number five. Repent! Put a little spin on that. I just want to make sure we're awake. Jesus has called us already in other letters. He says it again. Change your mind. Stop and turn around. Back up. Repent. Stop putting up a front while behind the scenes the world is sucking you in with its priorities and its values and its rat race. Is that what's happening in your life right now? Wake up, strengthen, remember, keep, repent. Why? Because the spirit is life, Romans 8, 2. And we are not to quench the spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. As bad as things had gotten in Sardis, there remain a remnant of the elect. Look at verse 4. There are some who haven't soiled their garments. Yikes. That's a polite way of symbolizing moral filth, secret sin. Jesus says there are few that are worthy. We become worthy of his grace when you see your need for grace. When you see your need for grace, that's what makes you worthy. Well, no, I thought it's all the things that I do. I've got a resume. Look at this. Is it? Nope. 
It's the more you see your need for grace that he says you're worthy. And what's the promise? What a beautiful promise that he, he gives here. It's this invitation into his kingdom that God grants you to see how infinitely worthy Jesus is. The promise is this, that we will be clothed in white. It's a symbol of, of purity, that we will walk with him, that our name will be written in the book of life and never erased. Look at Revelation 20, verses 12 to 15. Revelation 21, verse 27. Think about this. Think about this. As Christians, we are to witness for Jesus, right? We tell people about Jesus. We want people to come to church, but we want most of all to come to the Lord. We want to be unashamed of saying, I believe in Jesus. I want to talk to you about Jesus. This Christmas time, we're going to have yard signs. Uh, you think about all the political signs that are going to be out there where our church is going to have a sign inviting our neighbors to church for Christmas, that Jesus is Lord, joy of the world. You're going to be taking a sign, put that in your front yard, and that will be a great sign to everybody. The promise, though, is that one day Jesus will take you to his Father, and he will confess your name. He'll say to the Father, your name and my name by his grace. What a promise. Let's pray. Lord, help us to to really take this in, to consider the ways in which, God, we uh, are looking good from far, but we're far from good. Help us to to get real and honest with one another, uh, to name those things, Lord, before you, as hard as that work might be. Even as a church, Lord, help us to, to do this. Help me to do it, Lord, to learn, to grow, to be stretched. God, if there's anyone here who who needs this message today of what it means to do these five things, God. I pray that before they worry about what they're to do, turn their attention, Lord, their gaze to what you have done to the glory of your name. Amen.